Welcome back to another episode of The Sports Skinny. As always, I'm your host, Samara Rosenfeld, joined by Andrew Heller. We have a lot to talk about today. We have the Celtics 76ers preseason game thoughts. We're going to, you know, I have some shocking takes here on the Celtics. I know it's just one preseason game. Doesn't mean too much, but I'm I'm about to dive in. Then we have the Notre Dame-Clemson game on Saturday. Andrew's Andrew's going to go in on that because he's got some money. And then we'll talk about our gambling woes of the week and our NFL bets of the week. And it has been a bad week. So so you're going to want to stay tuned and and listen to, to some of the bad beats that we had this week. But let's start things off with the Celtics 76ers game on Tuesday. Like I mentioned, preseason game. The guys aren't in in full form yet. The coaches are toying around with lineups, playing some of the younger guys, giving them some some minutes. But I was very, very disappointed in what I saw from the Celtics. It was just an uninspiring performance in general for me. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown did not look good. In fact, Jalen Brown finished with a minus 10 plus minus. Uh, Jason Tatum was the only one in the starting lineup with a plus. He had a plus three, plus or minus. Marcus Smart was also minus 10. Jason Tatum only had 10 points. He was 0 for 4 from three-point range, and that's one of the big parts of his game. Jalen Brown was only 1 for 5. So, you know, the 76ers are a team that traditionally the Celtics beat. And, yes, it's a rivalry, but – as Joel Embiid said last year and the year before, what kind of a rivalry is it if the Celtics always win? But I'm scared of the 76ers this year because they did improve a lot in the offseason. And Andrew will get into that a little bit. I will tell you a few things that I liked and a few other things that I didn't like. I was really happy with the way that Jeff Teague played. He had 18 points in 18 minutes. He shot seven for nine from the field and four for four from three point range. He was a great addition to the team in the off season. And it's positive to see because he'll be taking up a lot of Kemba Walker's time while he's out. So I really liked that. And rookie Peyton Pritchard had 16 points off the bench on six for 10 shooting. And he finished with a plus one for the game overall. He looked like he knew what he was doing. He was good defensively. And again, offensively, he had the second most points on the team behind Teague. Now, here are some spots that I don't like, and I don't know how Brad Stevens is going to handle it this year. You have Shemi Ojale getting minutes. That's it. He's getting minutes. He had 17 minutes in this preseason game, and he just looked terrible. He can't shoot the ball. Defensively, he's a dud. He was a minus nine. He finished with five points. He was one for three from the field and one for three from three point range, but he's just not a good, he's not good. And like, it's that simple. It it was really frustrating to watch. Then you have guys like taco fall and Carson Edwards. And I was really high on Carson Edwards when the Celtics drafted him, but he hasn't, he, he granted, he hasn't gotten a lot of playing time in the NBA, but every time he gets onto the floor, he just doesn't seem confident enough. And he was a big scorer and driver to the basket when he was in college. 
And you're not seeing that translate to the NBA. He only had two points. He was one for five shooting. Now, surprisingly, he was a plus five. He finished the game in 17 minutes. But because he's just not getting his shots to fall at all. And it's frustrating to watch as well. And then you have Taco Fall, who, I mean, you would think that because he's the biggest guy on the court at all times when he's on the court, that he would have a little bit more of an impact, but he's still improving on his game. I'm not sure that we'll see much of him in the actual season, but I still think that there's potential there to develop him. I just, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, but very interesting. Andrew and I were actually on zoom during the game and contrary to what he said last week on the show, he has a little different take on the Harden situation. So Andrew, why don't you, why don't you let the, let the listeners know, know how you're feeling now? Yeah, I mean, I, I know I said you had asked a great question on the last episode about who I would give up if I had to give up one of our two big stars, Embiid or Simmons, for Harden. And I had said that I wouldn't give up either. Just And, you know, maybe I don't think it is just one preseason game. But, you know, like you said, it's not too early to have a reaction. When I watch Ben Simmons, I don't think it's worth it. I just I see him and it's just nothing is that inspiring to me. There's nothing. I mean, he played him and Tobias Harris had the most minutes of 26 and all Simmons did was get two rebounds, six assists and 10 points. He didn't wasn't a lot of drive there. I didn't really like it. I love the play by Harris. He went off with nine rebounds and 16 points. And really, I think this team is a, a lot more complete than it is last year. With the additions, Curry looked – it was good seeing him out on the floor. He didn't do too much in the game, but we have Shake Milton. He's coming into his own. He had 19 points and 23 minutes played. And I think this is going to be a team built around shooters now. And, it, you know, it's the elephant in the room. Simmons really can't shoot. And I think now that, you know, we can spread the floor and give Embiid more attention. I, if you can get Harden for Simmons in some kind of way, let's see what it looks like. I think it would be fun to have, you know – an MVP caliber person on our team. And like MB said, Celtics have the Sixers number and it was cool seeing them, you know, beat them, but it's only preseason. And for me, the only games that are really going to matter when we beat the Celtics are in the playoffs. And James Harden definitely gives you an advantage in the playoffs. So I'd ship that out right now, if you could. It's interesting you say that because Doc Rivers had said in a recent statement that he's okay with coaching Ben Simmons because he just came off of coaching Paul George, who also can't shoot. (laughs) Well, at least he's used to it, but I just, I don't, I don't want to watch him for his whole career, you know, just with that big area missed, you know, that that's such a huge part of the game. And I don't know how much longer, Myself or a lot of the other Sixers fans are going to wait around for him to, you know, I mean, people used to call him like the prince and LeBron's the king. That, I think that's just a total overestimating the type of player Ben Simmons is. He's no way. Jason Tatum is the prince. Exactly. I would agree with that. Yeah, because he can shoot a three-pointer. Like, maybe he didn't do it on Tuesday, but normally (laughs) he's pretty lights out. Like, Simmons, not lights out. Harden would be. Even though, you know, he seems to put on a little weight, we might have to work him in the gym a little bit. Do you see Harden 
in the preseason. I, I, saw, I saw Harden. He looks out of shape. He looks like he was having too much fun in Vegas and Atlanta, but he claims to have been training with his personal trainers while he was there. That's what he was doing uh, while he missed camp. But mm-hmm. you, you never know with him. People are saying that, you know, Kendrick Perkins, actually, I believe it was this morning, we're recording on Thursday. Kendrick Perkins, former Celtic, by the way, shout out. Love that for him, champion. But he said James Harden might be the modern day Dennis Rodman. And I kind of agreed with that because he's known, because Harden is known for partying and going out to clubs. And we all saw the last dance. We know what Rodman was up to. But I thought it was a pretty good comparison. I agree. And, you know, those guys. Guys like that, they're able to show up and be a game changer, you know, on any given day. And that's a very valuable asset for an organization, regardless of what you do in your spare time. If you could, you know, if you could work hard and play hard, more power to you, I'd say. Yeah, bless if you can. That's that's all we ever want. But you actually had the 76ers in, in a big parlay, right? Oh, I do. I had a nine or ten team huge bailout parlay. Basically... It comes down to, if I even get this far, I'm going to need Notre Dame plus 10.5 on Saturday, Coastal Carolina to win both halves. Buffalo Bills and the Packers are the last four games. We're looking at a $500 profit on that. And then I got those four games in their own individual parlays. It's about plus 1,000 if anybody is interested in taking it. Probably wouldn't recommend it given my results last week. I'm not doing too good, but we're on the chase, and it's going to be a fun Saturday of football. I'm really looking forward to it. So you have Notre Dame plus 10 and a half. I was a little surprised when you mentioned the spread earlier because Notre Dame won in OT. The game was so close last time, the last time they played Clemson. But go into, go into this a little bit because I know that you're a huge Notre Dame fan. So I am. I mean, I think this is the marquee matchup. Um, for any college football fan this weekend. You have the number two team versus the number three team. As you said, Notre Dame beat Clemson earlier this season, 47-40, to 40, double overtime. It was a thriller. But the big caveat is that Trevor Lawrence didn't play that game because of COVID. So now we got round two here for the ACC championship. Over-unders currently set at 59.5, definitely leaning over on that, and spreads at 10.5. This is a big deal for a lot of reasons. First of all, this is Notre Dame's first ever conference championship. Normally, they're an independent team, so they don't play in these types of things. But let's say they somehow beat Clemson outright. Then what could happen is Notre Dame may elect to stay in the AAC because now we have a huge rivalry between Clemson and Notre Dame that could last, you know, for years on end. And that would be huge for the program, for both programs, I think. It's also pretty big because of the college football playoff implication. This game is essentially a make-or-break game for Clemson in regards to making the playoff. If, according to ESPN, if Clemson were to lose this game, their chances of making the college football playoff would only be 9%. If Notre Dame loses because they beat Clemson earlier in the year, ESPN has them projected at 46% to make the college football playoff. So both clubs. At Notre are, Dame or Clemson? If if Clemson wins, is they're forty six percent? Yeah, yeah. Because of you know they would still have a ten and one record, and 
I think that the college football playoff committee, whoever decides that whole ordeal, would want to see a round three. If, or, you know, if it could happen, Notre Dame would end up playing Alabama and not sure who Clemson would play. But if you could get a college football national championship where you have essentially the third time the two teams that face each other, that would be huge for sports, I think. So it's a huge game. Clemson really wants to win. Notre Dame really wants to win. Notre Dame is constantly looked at as overrated. So they're going to be coming out. But first, I want to start out with the things that Clemson needs to do better in order to get the upper hand on the Irish. And granted, they are the favorites, and most people think they will. But the two big things that they need to do better on is, first of all, their defense has to do way better than last time. In the first matchup, um, Tigers allowed 47 points at 518 total yards. Kyron Williams, Notre Dame's running back, had 140 yards, three rushing touchdowns. Ian Book didn't throw a single interception. He had 310 yards. And I don't care how good of an offense you have, this could be a one-possession game, and you need to force turnovers early because we know Clemson plays their best when they get an early lead and they can essentially just pile on over for a blowout. So if this stays into a one-possession game, that could very easily swing a Notre Dame's favor. So the Clemson defense has to step up early and force some turnovers. And then second of all, he's a difference maker. It's Trevor Lawrence. He, all time, he's 33-1. and He's 2-0 and in his previous two ACC championship games. He's made them, you know, since he was a freshman. 420 yards and six touchdowns, no interceptions in those previous two contests. So since he's had COVID, he hasn't been doing too well. But in both of those games against Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh, Clemson routed him anyway. So those were easy opponents. Will Trevor Lawrence have a big game? I think he will. He always shows up in these types of instances. And if you look back to 2018, when Notre Dame played Clemson in the college football semifinal, Lawrence went off. I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but the final score was 30 to 3. And let me tell you, he knows how to beat Notre Dame. So Clemson needs to get turnovers early, and Lawrence needs to be lights out for the entire game. As far as gambling trends, just to give you a quick kind of look at where the history is, Tigers were five-and-a-half-point favorites in the first game, didn't cover. Now it's up to ten-and-a-half. The Tigers have covered in two games since they played Notre Dame. And they've won by an average of 35 points in both games against Pittsburgh and Virginia Tech. So they covered those spreads handedly. Ten and a half might be a little bit harder against Notre Dame, though. Clemson has also won the last five ACC championship games in convincing fashion. This is a game they don't like to lose, and they've pretty much dominated under Dabo Sweeney. Also, Clemson is 13-0 and straight up in December and 12-1 and against the spread. So... Not looking very good for Notre Dame. However, one key stat, Notre Dame is 6-0 and recently against teams with a winning record. So against the spread, not straight up, against the spread, 10 and a half. Bottom line, I believe Notre Dame can cover for a couple reasons. Biggest reason, the lineman. Notre Dame's defensive line had a terrific game against Clemson in the first matchup. They held the rushing, they held the Tigers rushing game to only 34 yards on 33 attempts. Our offensive line is also bigger than Clemson's. So if the rush defense plays like they did in the first game, and the Irish on the other end of the field are able to move the ball with Williams and dominate possession, 
I think that that's going to be a big factor. How much can Notre Dame keep the ball out of Trevor Lawrence's hands? Second biggest point here is third down. In the first matchup, Notre Dame converted on 10 out of their 19 third down attempts, while Clemson was just four for 15. Again, it all helps in the possession game. If Notre Dame can convert on third down and give Ian Book momentum, I think he is a senior, he's a leader, he wants to, you know, prove himself as arguably the greatest quarterback in Notre Dame's history. And I think he, if he converts on third down, he'll have the momentum. And if Notre Dame can keep this into a one possession game, they have a great chance to win it outright in another overtime scenario, but I certainly think that it will be close enough for them to cover with 10 and a half. Well, you know what? I think you convinced me to take to take Notre Dame here plus 10 and a half. I will say, though, that I do want Clemson to win. Well, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that. Okay, so why do you want Clemson to win? I want Clemson to win because I want Trevor Lawrence on the Jets, and you have it in my mind that if – Trevor Lawrence doesn't make the college playoffs that he's going to stay at Clemson. And I just don't want to have to even think about that. And I mean, there have been a lot of reports, uh, Rich Simony, he's a beat He's an ESPN writer for the jets. And he wrote something the yesterday, I believe Wednesday about Trevor Lawrence and whether he would stay at Clemson or refuse to play for the jets. And it just got in my head that, you know, the, the Jets are a dumpster fire, but you have to think they're going to start over. They're mm-hmm. completely rebuilding from top down. The organization's going to change. And maybe Trevor Lawrence will be a part of that and be happy to be a part of that. You can't always walk into a winning situation and you have to know and expect that if you are this bright star, that you're going to be drafted to a lower caliber team at the time. You don't just get the number one overall pick because – you know, good teams don't get the number one overall pick. You have to know and expect to be put in that situation. Joe Burrow, I mean, his record didn't show for it, but he played really well at, as in, on the Bengals, and the Bengals were were terrible. Yeah. So, I that's mean, but that's the biggest thing is I want Trevor Lawrence to win. So yeah. that's why I want Clemson to win. I, yeah, and I, I just, I really, I'm not trying to, you know, freak you out or nothing, but I just think, that guy loves Clemson football. And I think he, it, it, it won't, to me, it's not so much that he wouldn't want to go to the Jets, but he would be disappointed in himself to not go out with a national championship because he's been there. I mean, he's been in the playoff every year since he's been a freshman. And I think he wants a legacy. I mean, this is a guy who, when, you know, all the teams were debating whether or not they should even play because of COVID, Trevor Lawrence has tweeted out, like, we want to play. He yeah, wants to I remember that. Yeah, so I don't think he's necessarily even worried about, you know, maybe getting injured next year. You know, he just wants to win with his with his team. And if, if they if, if somehow Notre Dame gets this huge upset and wins outright and Clemson misses the playoff, I think he has no choice but to say. Oh, stop it. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> But, okay, so if, if you get the plus 10.5, you're good. Your parlay stays alive. But if not, the parlay dies. The parlay dies, yeah. So I'm hoping – I hope for your sake Notre Dame covers. I also hope for, for my sake that Clemson wins outright. Yeah. And, I mean, definitely just the over seems 
I mean, 59 and a half. Considering last time was 40 to 47 and Clemson had the backup quarterback in, yeah. still a lot of points for the backup. You know, now you got the starter and Lawrence could just go off and put up 40 points himself. You know? so just hammer the over as well. Yeah. And you should be good. But go here's ahead. the thing is me and Andrew preach these picks and we feel super confident in them, but we realize that we're not that good at this. <laughs> no. And and no. we had a I went admittedly I went over three if you listen to last week's show. I had the Steelers Bills over, I think it was 48 and a half. I had the Browns plus two and also money line. And then what was my last pick? It was another over. Over in the Titans game. Right. Yeah. That's it. And it didn't hit. And none, yeah, none of them hit. It was really disappointing. I thought the Browns would bail me out on Monday night football. That didn't happen. And it was a fluke. I really think the Browns should have won. But I haven't hit a bet in a while, in a minute. Yeah, I mean, I've hit some little things here and there, but really, I mean, I went one and four with my picks and just not even picks wise. I had three plays that were over five units and I lost all three of those plays. So one was for six, one was for seven, and one was for eight, the Browns. And that things like that shouldn't happen, that Browns game. That's, that would make you sick in your stomach for life. Uh, some people probably quit gambling. If you had Browns plus three and a half, I, I wouldn't blame you if you never gamble again. Because that was sick. I haven't won a bet since December 8th. Oh, wow. And, I mean, unlike you, I'm not betting every single day. But December yeah. 8th was when I had an odds boost on DraftKings for Lamar Jackson to complete over a half a completion against the Cowboys which was obvious that that max bet was $25. So yeah. I made a, I doubled my money there, but I also had the over 45 and a half points and that almost didn't hit because they kept missing all the field goals. Yeah, right. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, I've been losing my bets. So, so I only have one pick this week. Who you got? I, I have the Miami Dolphins minus one and a half against the Patriots. And I don't have any any stats off the top of my head for this game, but the Patriots are just terrible this year. I have no trust in Cam Newton. I have no trust in their wide receivers. And Miami just looks good this year. I like what Brian Flores has come and done with the organization Tua has only thrown one interception in his career in the NFL. And I think what's overlooked often is Miami's defense. You have Xavier Howard, who might be, who's one of, I would say top five. I think he's a cornerback in the league. He's had an interception in like five straight games. He's a beast. And offensively, Tua has the weapons. So, I mean, the one and a half point spread seems really low to me. And maybe I'm just naive, but you have Gasicki, you have Shaheen, you have, you just have a lot of weapons on Miami where I don't see that. Now Edelman might be coming back for the Patriots, but I still don't think it makes a difference because Cam Newton doesn't necessarily rely on his arm. No. So, so I really like this play minus one and a half Dolphins. 
I'll put I'll put three units on it. Okay. See now I almost feel like like you said, we're always so confident in these. I almost feel like I should say I hate that pick. Just that, so which is exactly play. which is exactly yeah. what you know on Barstool, what Dave Portnoy does. He'll say this is such an obvious game, an obvious pick, and he'll do the opposite. And yeah. maybe we should be on the Patriots. Maybe, but I just I can't trust that team anymore. It used no. to be a lock, and I mean the way Miami played against Kansas City, that was really impressive. I love Tua. I think Tua over the spread. Yeah, I, I, it's not worth the risk taking New England. I don't think. You know, just hoping that they have a game like they do against the Chargers because you never know. You know what I mean? That was like a fluke. That was like their biggest win of the season. But Miami has been the more consistent side. You got Tua riding on. I like it. I I hate it, but I like it. I hate <laughs> that I like it so much. Yeah, hate that we like it. <laughs> I um, uh, I I'm not gonna lie. All pretty much all my money for this weekend is on that fourteen parlay: the Coastal, Buffalo, Notre Dame. Green Bay, but I mean, if I had to make a pick, I would just do, since we're shouting out Barstool, I would shout out Stu Finer. Love that guy. He always takes the Sunday night under. This week, it's the Browns and the Giants. Over-unders at 44. I don't think the Giants can score points. It just, I mean, they have a decent defense. They're one of the teams that burned me last week, one of five-unit play, and they, they can't score points, and I think that this one, that'll just be an easy win for the Browns, something like 21 Three twenty-one ten, you know, a lot of a lot of stops on fourth down, and I think Finer said before that the unders come in like nine times so far on Sunday night. So the trend seems to be Sunday night football under. I'll trust that. I will say that defensively, you mentioned that the Giants are really good, but I uh, news today broke that James Bradbury is on the COVID list, or I think either the COVID list or he's just injured, whatever it may be, but strong cornerback, fights the dust. Oh, that's a big blow, especially concerning Baker Mayfield. And we've been doing well with his arm recently. I'll still take the under, but no, I'm not confident in it. And only other pick would be over in the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game, Monday Night Football, it's had 40 points, that over-under right now, which that just seems way – 40 just seems ridiculously low for – Yeah, but the Pittsburgh. Steelers haven't been scoring a lot. I know I said last week that they were averaging about 28.5 points per game, something like that. But, what, they only scored 15 against the Bills, right? They had a big dud against the Bills. Yeah. Now, is that uh, – is that a statistical anomaly where the Bills just sound much better? Are Steelers really trending down? Maybe they're due for a bounce back game. You know what? You're right. We should just start taking the opposite of what we think. I'm going to go forget the over and Monday night. Sunday Sunday night football under, Monday night football under. Those are my two picks. All right. Book it. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> but I will say next week we don't have an episode because it's Christmas Eve and then it's Christmas. We won't record. I know Andrew will be celebrating. I'll be drinking and and doing some drinking games and festivities with family friends over Zoom, stuff like that. I do want to shout out the NBA lineups, though, the, the schedule for Christmas basketball. 
last week I said the Lakers Clippers. I knew both teams were playing. I didn't know exactly the matchups, but here's what we have. The slate is great. You have Pelicans heat starting us off. Then Warriors Bucks Celtics Nets Mavericks Lakers and Clippers Nuggets. So all really strong matchups and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to being able to relax. I have off a couple days from work and just to be able to watch basketball again, is going to be oh so sweet. Yeah, for sure. I hope I have money to bet on it by then. Maybe that's what I'll ask for for Christmas. Nobody gave me anything. Just (laughs) place a bet. (laughs) Maybe, but that is all the time we have for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Guy Boston Sports and Guy New York Sports. Please follow them on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at SamaraRose31 and at CityJohn. Let us know what you think. Give us feedback. We want to know, you know, what you want to hear, how we can improve. And if you are interested in writing for either of the sites, please feel free to reach out. We're looking for new people to start writing, especially with the start of the basketball season. If you are a Knicks or Nets fan, please let me know. And we'll be happy to, you know, get you get you started.